0: This is an Odyssey Original.
1: This is Coronavirus Daily.
0: I'm Charles Feldman. And I'm Mike Simpson from the k and X Odyssey Studios in Los Angeles. CDC put out new recommendations for schools. Vaccinated kids and teachers don't have to wear masks. But the ultimate decision will be up to each district, except in California. State says uh, kids, teachers still going to be wearing those masks. Pfizer asking for approval
1: for a COVID booster shot. But is this third shot really necessary?
0: We're starting, though, with the schools and the masks with us is Randy Weingarten, president of the American Federation of Teachers, country's second largest labor union. Randy, uh, who should the kids believe here, right? The CDC or their states, their district that says, nope, got to put it on still.
2: Well, I don't I don't think I think what the CDC does and and look, we support what the CDC did today. We thought it was grounded in science and then we thought it was very much based upon common sense. Um, But um it is a baseline it is uh, um it is um the you know it's the baseline it's not the ceiling. and what i think is going on in california i mean you're the, you live there i you know i my my grandkids live there but you live there um what's what's going on i think is that there's been such an uptick on um with delta um at, that that people are worried, that the health department is worried. And so just like the WHO um, just recommended that, you know, masks should be worn regardless of vaccination status, I think that there's a worry, um, particularly in pockets in, in California, that there's an issue. And the second issue is this. You know, no one is going to be asking people what their vaccination status is That's right now. It's uh, very much of a voluntary um thing and right now and and there's a view that um you don't want to um put someone you don't want to isolate someone you don't want to make someone who hasn't has to wear a mask feel badly um and so there is a reason in terms of social situations like classrooms to say everyone should wear a mask. Now you know there are other places that are gonna say that, you know, should mean should, and that means that all elementary school kids should wear a mask, um, but, you know, um, uh, 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 older kids, if they've been vaccinated, don't have to. But then you're also going to have colleges that were in college situations where a college has decided that everybody has to be vaccinated, and we don't believe in mandated vaccinations for a lot of different reasons, particularly right now. So you're seeing, based upon local circumstances, that the health departments who understand the local circumstances, the schools who understand the local circumstances, are using this as a baseline and then contouring it to the needs of a community.
0: What about just simple distancing factors? Like we know that they cram kids in classrooms, so you can't stay six feet apart anyways.
2: Well, it's it's no longer six feet. It's three feet. Um, and that was changed beforehand, and you know we should be lowering like I said in may when i I, I did a speech in May about having to reopen and and important about us reopening in person safely it 's really important for the emotional and well being of our kids and it 's important academically, and I think it 's important for communities that we are back in person, and the vaccines have been real game changers, having said all of that. You know, it would be good if we could actually align class size with the three-foot rule and have um, fewer kids in classes and use some of these empty buildings all over the place For classrooms and for
1: schools. But let me ask you something. When when we're talking about safely, you said you were giving, you gave a speech on safely opening schools. So isn't the safest way to open schools, at least for children 12 and over, because they can be vaccinated and teachers certainly can be unless they've got some uh, medical uh, reason for it. Wouldn't that be the safest way to open schools is to mandate that as colleges, as you mentioned, uh, are doing some Mm -hmm. anyway, is to mandate that students 12 and above who can need to be vaccinated and teachers, unless they have a medical excuse, need to be vaccinated. End of story. Medical reason. Yeah.
2: So. So, look, I'm a big believer in vaccinations and I and nine out of 10 of my members in the United States have been vaccinated. I think that we're too premature to mandate because it's still all on emergency use authorization. And unfortunately there's so much disinformation that is out there. We have an obligation to get over that disinformation and you're seeing it in terms of the stats you're seeing, like you're seeing that more, I mean, this is crazy. This is the first time this has ever happened. More Democrats are being, are, are taking the vaccine, more Republicans, you know, and Republicans are not like Donald Trump. Took the vaccine. He did it quietly. He did it privately. Why didn't he do it publicly? Why didn't he find a way to show his supporters that this was really important? When he got sick with COVID, he had every single medical resource. No, one, the other people didn't get that. So it's a matter of we have to take the politics out of these public health decisions. And then I think that, you know, at one point or another, when the vaccines are you know, are widely accepted, then 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 you can have a conversation like we have had with measles and with smallpox, where the vaccines were mandatory.
0: All right. Randy Weingarten, president of the American Federation of Teachers. Coming up
1: after this short break, Pfizer wants to poke us all a third time. Pfizer is going back to the FDA to ask for approval. For a COVID booster shot, the idea is that it could better fight off the Delta variant and other troublesome variants out there.
0: Is it actually necessary? Dr. Ann Falsey, professor of medicine, University of Rochester School of Medicine, member of the steering committee for the Global Influenza Initiative, Infectious Diseases Society of America. So, doctor, that question, do we really need a booster?
3: Uh, I don't think we have enough data to say exactly when a booster is needed. I think it's likely a booster at some point will be needed.
1: But we've been told by by some experts on this show, and, and you can tell us if you agree or disagree with that, that that time span of if needed could be months or even potentially years away. Is, is that kind of the the time frame that you're thinking?
3: Well, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into that decision. Um There, if the virus didn't mutate at all, it might be that uh, you wouldn't need to be revaccinated but for every couple of years. If on reinfection you only got a mild cold, you know, do we need to revaccinate everybody for that? What we're really trying to prevent is serious disease. And we do know that the vaccines at six months are all doing very well to prevent serious disease and death. But one of the major concerns is transmission is that there are still, you know, significant segments that are unvaccinated um, and those people are still at risk. uh, And some of the new variants seem to be quite transmissible. So trying to shut down as much mild disease as you can, primarily to prevent spread to those that are still vulnerable is, is a reasonable goal. The exact timing of that, you know, I think is hard to pin down.
0: Is it your understanding that this would be a booster tailored to Delta or maybe whatever else comes about? Or is this just a third one of the two we already got?
3: Um, You know, it may be either. Those studies are actually ongoing, um, looking to see whether you really need to change up the vaccine or we can use the more is better principle. If you uh, boost those antibody levels even higher, uh, sometimes just that extra high antibody will take care of the variants quite well.
1: I thought it was interesting uh, yesterday doctor that the CDC and the FDA both agencies known for being glacial in their in their uh, decision making uh were very quick to put out a joint statement, I think within hours of Pfizer's saying, in effect, eh, hold off, you know, maybe we don't yet need to have a booster in, in six to 12 months, as uh, Pfizer's CEO was suggesting uh, yesterday might happen. And that brings me to the question of money. Uh, I mean, you know, let's face it, medicine is, is big money and pharmaceutical companies make a lot of money on vaccines. Do we have to be cautious about news from vaccine companies when we read about them or hear about them, suggesting we need more vaccines at a quicker interval because maybe it's some money in their coffers.
3: Well, you know, I understand questioning that. My my experience with uh, Pfizer uh, is that the scientists that I interact with are really concerned with public health. And I, I don't think that the FDA or the CDC or will we'll come out recommending or approve boosters with without a, a significant public health benefit um, so I you know I, I think we can let uh, the science and the data um, really guide us there um, you know I, I can't comment on you know the the business aspect of things
0: <laughs> what about messaging because there's there's the way that it's presented and it is, OK, Pfizer wants to explore a booster and start a trial in August. But to mm-hmm. some people, they hear Pfizer says you need a booster in August and then everyone's going to think, oh, no, my immunity is running out.
3: Well, I you know, I agree with you. I think we have to be careful in these pronouncements that we make. We are actively involved in a number of studies looking at boosters. You know, the the first question is, are they safe? you know, maybe too much vaccine too quickly is not good for you. And I think the early data there are that um, they're well tolerated, they're probably quite safe. But the, you know, the immune response, those studies are ongoing. You know, we're looking at plain old boosters, we're looking at variant boosters, and then we're looking at sort of mix and match boosters where, you know, much of the public, um, you know, they, they don't remember what kind of vaccine they got. And, uh, we need to know whether certain schedules of, you know, first you get Moderna and then you get you can get J&J as a booster or vice versa. So I, I, you know, I, we, I we have I'm, a lot to learn.
1: I, I'm curious uh, your thoughts on, on, on this, uh, because uh, I thought uh, to some degree, Pfizer did a disservice yesterday by making the announcement it did because it gave people who are reluctant or who have decided they don't want to be vaccinated at all an excuse, didn't it? Uh, they could now say, well, first you told me I needed to get vaccine, you vaccinated once. Now you're telling me I may have to get it six months after I get the first one or two shots. I'm just not going to get
3: it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think some of the vaccine, um, hesitant will find excuses for, for anything, whether you, uh, agree with what Pfizer made the announcement or, or not. um, I think the scientific community including the pharmaceutical community has been pretty clear with this this is a new disease, a new vaccine and there's just things we are learning and and we we may change what we say, but that's because we're responding to new information. Um, so yes you know initially we thought well you know it's two shots but it was always very clear that these studies are Two years. And then the reason for that is you need to follow people over time to, to look at their immunity and then to see if at some point you start seeing a lot of breakthrough infections. Now, you, you would hope those breakthrough infections are quite mild. But again, for the reasons of controlling an epidemic, you, you might choose to recommend a booster, not so much that you're going to get terribly sick, but We really want to prevent these viruses from spreading around.
0: All right. Dr. Ann Falsy, professor of medicine, University of Rochester School of Medicine. Doctor, thanks.
1: Researchers from Georgetown University say five under-vaccinated regions of the U.S. could be putting the entire nation at risk. The clusters are in the southern and lower midwestern part of the country. They include portions of Florida, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, Arkansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas, and New Mexico. In Missouri, the CDC says the Delta variant accounts for 73% of new COVID cases. In Texas, a youth camp near Austin may be the country's latest super spreader event. More than 100 cases have been confirmed, and officials fear the number may eventually top 200.
0: This is an Odyssey original. Find us, other podcasts on the Odyssey app. Also Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher.